And now I'm going to hand you over to Nigel to quiz the Book Doctors. Thanks, Cathy, and welcome to our Book Doctors slot, where we get two of our best indies to give recommendations to readers who are after tips for their next book. Now, our indies today are Joe Haygate from The Legends, that is Pages of Hackney, and Will Smith from Sam Reed Books in Grasmere. So hello to both of you. Hello. 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 Will, let me talk to you first. For me, a bookshop in the Lake District sounds just about perfect. I've been in the shop a few times. That was me with the muddy boots. Um <laughs> Is working there as good as it sounds? Most of the time it really is, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely place to be because, you know, who wouldn't want to work in a bookshop in the surrounds of the Lake District? Yeah, the knots most of the time is when the wind's howling and the Lake District rain is bashing down, is it? Yes, when we have yeah. the odd ferocious day of rain, it can be more challenging um, just on keeping everyone's spirits up more than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, it's an old, old bookshop, isn't it, Sam Reed? Yeah, so it's, Sam Reed set it up in 1887, and it's been trading from the same premises from about 1892. So uh, we have all these people who come back year after year who uh, will say that you know they've been visiting every year since 1943. Oh, isn't that fantastic? I was assuming, yeah, it wasn't from 1892. That would be a very old person. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, not quite. Yeah, and I mean, and Grasmere, of course, um, Wordsworth it comes to mind. Yeah, it's still incredibly popular. People coming in for Dorothy and William's work and the whole of the kind of romantic circle, really, yeah. Oh, nice, nice connection. And Joe, yeah, I mean, Pages Hackney really is a legend, isn't it? Yeah, how long have you been there and, and when did it start? Yeah, so we've been there for nearly 11 years. It was opened in 2008. And yeah, I've been managing the shop for five of those. Um, the owner is Eleanor and, and my colleague is Ollie. And as the name implies, you know, it's not your standard sort of middle of the country, nice sort of high street type. Indie. You specialise in, in particular areas? Yeah, we sort of like unofficially um, have ended up just trying to really represent the community of Hackney and the books that we stock. So we're, you know, stocking a lot of books by people that have generally been underrepresented in, in publishing. And it's something that's really important to us to sort of really reflect the community that um, that we're in. So. I remember reading in the bookseller that um, you had a little announcement uh, yeah. back in May. There is a new Pages. Just two months ago, we um, opened a new bookshop and it's just off Brick Lane and it's called Pages Cheshire Street. And we stock books by women, trans and gender diverse writers only. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting. We've been open just two months, but in that time we've run sort of six sold out events already. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, we've just had loads of positive feedback from people. And we're planning collaborations with Virago Press for a series of events in the autumn. So, yeah, there's loads of exciting stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So if people want to find that, Cheshire Street is where? So, it's yeah, it's just off Brick Lane. It's in Shoreditch. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm coming up to Shoreditch oh, uh, later on today, so I'll pop in. Oh, do. Please do. So, well, that's great. Now we know something about where you're both coming from. So let's get on to getting some recommendations. I'll start with you, Will. And our first person is Caroline, who's a teacher from Newcastle. Last book she read was Heartland by Nathan Filer, uh, which, very kindly, she read after hearing him on our podcast last month. So we like that. She normally reads novels but branched out into non-fiction lately. She's particularly looking for more true stories uh, written by doctors or nurses. OK, so my first suggestion would be Christy Watson's The Language of Kindness. Yeah. Um, in paperback with Vintage now. Just because it's it's such a kind of revelatory memoir on um, spending two decades as a nurse and thinking about the complexity of of what nursing entails really about how and why people enter it uh, about 
how nursing is as much about kind of art and ethics and politics and philosophy as it is about the science of it. So it's a really interesting, readable book, and I think it comes from that that deep experience that uh, Caroline was after. And I would also add Gavin Francis, um, any anything by Gavin Francis, really, although Adventures in Human Being is the one that stands out for us, really. OK, I don't know Gavin Francis. Tell, tell me a bit more about that one. So he's an Edinburgh GP uh, and a writer, and he writes studies of the human body, but that really reflect on his experiences as a GP and the cases and the patients he sees. So he's quite a kind of analytical thinker, but who is also reflecting on personal experience and the kinds of people he meets in his everyday life oh well that's a good shout and that's new to us i'm i'm now looking over to to kathy to see if she's showing recognition oh no i'm getting getting nothing from her nothing it's terrible i'm actually big on these medical books so it's very difficult for me to keep my mouth shut So, Joe, what were you going to suggest for Well, I actually had um, the language of kindness as well. Oh, um, no. So, yeah, a bit of a duplication there. But, yeah, it is such a good book. I think, you know, there's just so many books out there written by doctors and just not that many by nurses. And it, it does feel like nursing is just really undervalued as a profession. You just sort of really get a sense of how every day has really felt intensely for her as, as a nurse and, and also the fact that you know at one time in our lives we'll all be nursed or we will all be nurses so in a way it's a, a universal experience that a lot of people are just kind of in denial about and yeah so that the book shows that like kindness is a really important thing and um, and each story she tells is a, is a really brilliant example of that. The other one I was going to suggest is um, Tell Me the Planets by Ben Platts-Mills. It came out in paperback in February, and Ben isn't actually a doctor, but he works for Headway East, which is a charity that supports um, survivors of brain injury. Um, And the book tells stories of of some of the members of the charity and how they came there, and sort of really allows us to see the world through their eyes. And I, I would say that the very fact that Ben isn't a doctor is what makes the book so brilliant because it's kind of a result of many years of like friendship and collaboration with the survivors so sort of rather than seeing them as a patient as a doctor would he sort of has shared the emotional impact on their lives and he presents the their brain injury as like a sort of narrative event like a shift in identity for them and sees the injury kind of in the context of their whole life the book sort of really like focuses on his friendship with Matthew, who has had surgery to remove a cyst in the middle of his brain, and he's left with a side effect where he remembers, but with real conviction, events that haven't happened. <laughs> so, you know, it's really That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and it just follows his like struggle to form new memories and how it affects his life and his job. And, you know, in showing that, the book sort of really raises these much larger questions about all the things that make a person, like memory, thought, language, personality, and that they are actually all, like, in fact, bodily processes that are vulnerable to harm. And, um, yeah, Ben's just really kind of passionate about working in this field, and he's got a really innate curiosity about people and what makes them who they are. So, And that really comes across on the page. So, yeah, it's a really, really brilliant read. Could you repeat the title again it's for us? It's called Tell Me the Planets. By Tell ben me the planets. Mills. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think Caroline will undoubtedly seek that out. But let's move on from Newcastle to Devon and to Jenny. And like a lot of folk, she likes Jojo Moyes. She just uh, finished Me Before You, and you know she likes a, a story with a good narrative. And she's got a holiday coming 
up. So it's a summer read for her. So, Will, what are we going to send her off on holiday with? Well, uh, this was such a tempting one because she, she said that she uh, she wanted a few books to go with her. And obviously it's a challenge um, to, to work out even then what you would send. But I came up with three, if I'm allowed three. Of course you're allowed um, three. The first is uh, Rose McCauley's Crew Train, which was first published in 1926 and was reprinted last year by Virago. It's been uh, such a great book for us in Grasmere. Our, our book group loved it. Um, it's written in the early 1920s. Uh, it, it has a tale of essentially sort of London and Cornwall of a young girl standing out from the crowd and doing things differently. And Denham, who is the protagonist and her take on the world, is excellent fun to read throughout. It's such a funny, funny book with such moments of compassion to it. And it is a kind of a page turner as well in its own way. So it really resonated with essentially everyone we've recommended it to, I think. And a name in terms of Rose Macaulay that isn't terribly known today, although was, you know, once a a prominent figure. So it's interesting to to see that those books really stand up to rereading too. Yeah, well, well done Virago for kind of bringing that back to life. Uh, And well done you for pushing it out there. Well, my confession was I thought it was going to be a book about uh, trains in crew and it turned out (laughs) the whole thing is nothing to do with that. But there we are. That's that's Uh, part of the uh, fun of the book. And we've learned a little bit about your own interests. (laughs) (laughs) Which we'll be avoiding, of course, now. um, So Um, that was number one. Uh, number two would be uh, Andrew Miller's Now We Shall Be Entirely Free. Yeah. Um, and in terms of being a really rich historical novel um, of the early 19th century, I tend to describe it to people as a, a bit like Poldark, but with more hint of war crime to it, um, and also with an edge of uh, a Scottish balladry. So it, it's a really interesting Venn diagram of, yeah. of themes um, but Miller's writing is just so wonderful and the characters are so resonant with the reader. I think it's a really uh, great book to, to dip into and, and to take on holiday, certainly. What was the period that that was written about? So the protagonist is a former soldier of the Napoleonic Wars, so it's sort of early 19th century, and it, it switches in setting between Somerset and um, the Hebrides, so it's it's one which is really interesting in terms of place, too. And number three? Uh, number three would be Thea Lim's Ocean of Minutes, which is published by Quercus in paperback now. Um, Thea Lim is a Canadian novelist. This is her debut. Um, and it's for, I would say it's people who are fans of something like The Time Traveller's Wife. It's a real romantic time travel novel um, with which really describes friendships, um, politics, and... It has this curious North American setting which gets to the hub of what an alternative 1993 might look like, uh, which is a strange concept in yeah. itself, but is, a, again, a really good novel and a page turner and one I don't think has really got the attention it's deserved in some ways. Well, three good choices there. And, Joe, uh, you're not going to go up to four choices. Now. You're not going to make my life really difficult. Uh. I've only got two. Okay. Slightly struggled with it because I think on the one hand, Jenny wanted something light, but then she also said she likes books that make her cry. And I think it's at this time of year that people say they want a light read with no difficult themes. So this is always a bit of a problem because... Uh, generally, you know, the arc of a good story means you have some darkness and some light and jeopardy and then redemption. And I think that a book that is just a light read wouldn't be particularly compelling for that reason. So 
Yeah, with that in mind, um, I'm going to recommend one that everyone knows. It's um, Normal People by Sally Rooney. Um, So, yeah, it's been on our top ten every month since it was published. um, And it's now out in paperback. And it's just a complete page turner. And I think as Jenny likes a novel about relationships, she'll really get swept up in this one. It's set in Ireland and it follows two characters, Marianne and Connell, who, although they're from sort of really different class backgrounds, so his mum is her family's cleaner, and they're really drawn to each other and it follows their lives, but most importantly, their sort of inner lives as they grow up and they're constantly sort of circling each other and they're working out who they are. And Sally Rooney is just so brilliant at writing the, the power dynamics between people and how they come to understand themselves. And, you know, these characters, despite like self-sabotage and being sort of painfully in love, it's just a story we can all relate to. And it's just brilliant. When I read The Proof last year, I just <laughs> I stayed up until at two in the morning reading it, which is a real testament to the power of the writing, I think. And, and, and I think Jenny will definitely shed a tear in this one. We love that book. It was British Book Awards Book of the Year. So, you know, we're, we're fully behind that choice. So then what was your other one? I think you're going to do two. It's probably been mentioned on the podcast before, but it is An American Marriage by T.R.E. Jones. Um, I just really love this book. It's such a compelling story. It's about a middle-class black couple in America who are sort of upwardly mobile. She's an artist. He's got a good job. They've been married for a year, and they're about to start. um, They're sort of talking about starting a family. But then suddenly Roy, the husband, gets wrongfully convicted for a crime he didn't commit and is sentenced to 12 years in prison. But the book isn't so much about the miscarriage of justice, although it does sort of tell that story, but it's really a nuanced read. It's very subtly about the repercussions of the sentence on their relationship, which sort of makes it totally fascinating. And it looks at gender roles, it looks at cultural expectations and what it means to be a husband, um, what it means to be a man when you have no freedom or agency. And, um, yeah, the first part is told through the letters they write to each other over the years. And then there are alternate chapters. So you get their different experience of the same events. So it's just a really clever book. And it's about much more than you expect it to be about. And it's, it was also the winner of the Women's Prize this of year. Of course it was, yeah. Very good choice. And then we've got one final reader, who's Ian, uh, who's a civil servant in London. I'm probably going to just make you um, have only one choice this time. So I'm just kind of preparing you for that. Now, the last book he read, which he enjoyed, was Mick Heron's new Jackson Lamb thriller, which um, our Tom Tivenon put me on to Mick Heron. I think he's great. And he likes intelligent thrillers and people like uh, Le Carre. But what actually he wants us to help him choose is um, vegetarian cookbooks because he's just turned veggie. He likes some ideas on that. So there you go. I thought it was all going to be about spy thrillers, but it ain't. It's veggie cookbooks. So, Will, have you got a nice one, the kind of vegetarian food of grass smear or something like that? Sort of a, a thrilling cookbook. I came up with two, but I'm going to go with the one I think would probably be less likely to be recommended. So let's hope this is the case. Nigel Slater's new Green Feast. Spring summer is just out at the moment, um, and it's very much about seasonal veg and about what you'll see around you. It's so readable, it's clear, it's very much everyday recipes that's that's being um, shared with you. It's a really neat, compact cookbook to have in the kitchen too. It's 
I think Fourth Estate have really thought about the design of it too. So actually, as an object cookbook, it's a brilliant thing to have around. It's portable, and it's just very tactile. Yeah, <laughs> which is a strange thing to prioritise in the kitchen. No, know. but it is. I think a lot of Slater's books are really beautifully produced. So yeah. And the companion volume comes out in the autumn, so there's a second one coming there with autumn, winter, and October. Oh, well, you kind of sneakily got two in you know, <laughs> oh, sorry, by yeah, default sorry. there. Uh, <laughs> that's not reasonable at all. Joe. Yeah, I was going to suggest Anna Jones, A Modern Way to Cook. Yeah. She, Anna lives in Hackney, and I think she worked for Jamie Oliver before she started writing cookery books herself. It was just such a great book. Um, a really good friend gave it to me, and I just now recommend it to everyone in the shop, having used it quite a lot myself. It's just not branded as a vegetarian cookbook, so it just sort of happens to not have any meat in it. So it feels really feels like none of the recipes lack anything. It's like each recipe is just really full of flavour. And it includes chapters like Ready in 20, On the Table in Half an Hour. There are loads of um, pictures as well that make you really hungry just looking at them. And, um, yeah, my tip for the first recipe to try is one which is the kale, tomato and lemon magic one-pot spaghetti. Um, It's just such a good recipe because it's really easy and quick, but the sauce is magically made as it cooks in the pot. And so, yeah, it's just really brilliant and and really tasty. Sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm going to throw one in because it'd be rude not to, um, which was the the British Book of the Year award for uh, non-fiction and the Bosch vegan cookbook, which I think is great. They tell a great story there. Before you leave us, what about one book from each of you, which is a book that, you know, maybe the shop is selling really well or it's a personal favourite. You try and kind of get all your customers to take home with them. But Will, have you got one that you really want to sort of champion? Yeah. uh, Recently, I've really been loving uh, John Day's Homing on Pigeons Dwelling and Why We Return. Uh, which is published by John Murray. This is sounding slightly akin to your Railways in Crew suggestion. So, <laughs> <Yeah. get it. laughs> this one is squarely squarely on pigeons, but yeah. at the same time, um, it's a it's a kind of personal story by a disillusioned academic uh, who has just started a new family and begun to think about what connects him to his child. So he begins to think about his own childhood love of looking after an ailing pigeon. <laughs> so, so this kind of prompts him to think more about the place of pigeons and maybe about being able to look after pigeons. And it, and it has this really wonderful sort of non-fiction memoir quality about it where it, it veers between the personal story of a man in his mid-30s who's just taken up essentially pigeon fancying in some fashion with um, accounts of why pigeons have become... Uh, important to us through the centuries. So there's, there's all kinds of odd anecdotes from uh, dipping into Arthur Ransom to dipping into uh, their use in warfare or their, their function in terms of photography and aerial photography. There are great illustrations of little pigeons with little harnesses on um, with cameras fixed on them midway through to discuss sort of their um, necessity in terms of understanding the landscape and how important they've been to us. And I, as with the trains anecdote, I am slightly biased because I did have a sideways academic interest in the use of pigeons in books. That is one of the weirder dissertation titles I've ever heard. <laughs> well, many novels, they use pigeons for characters to just look out a window and have deep thoughts. And I thought pigeons are getting a bit of a raw deal. You know, people, are, people are just using them all of the time for their own profound thoughts. So this is a book which is entirely about pigeons. And I think the cover blurbs really point to how it persuades people who purport to not like pigeons at all to come out of this book loving pigeons and loving their their role in the world so um, if it can do something for the humble street pigeon then i hope it it should (laughs) 
Well, I'm going to stop you there, uh, but I am now going to announce the launch of a spin-off podcast, The Pigeon Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> featuring Zamri books. So, Joe, My recommendation is basically a book that was published in 1979, but the author is experiencing a real surge in popularity in the last few years, um, and it's Kindred by Octavia Butler. And so Octavia Butler was an award-winning female African-American science fiction writer, and she was writing mainly in the 70s, 80s and 90s, but her books are just so timeless. And this book sort of really defies the norms of the sci-fi genre, and it explores themes of race and power and gender and class, so it feels really modern. And in this book, the main character is Dana. She's a sort of strong, believable black woman who travels back in time to save her ancestor, who happens to be a white slave owner. And she discovers that her mission is to sort of save the life of this man who will rape her great-grandmother. So otherwise she will cease to exist. So that's the plot. But the plot device of time travel is just so clever because as she swings between centuries, we can't help but sort of feel real empathy um, because in her normal life she's safe, she has enough food, she lives in a flat with her boyfriend, but then she's suddenly pulled back in time and she instantly loses all her rights as a human being because without papers from a slave owner, her existence is illegal and she's regularly subject to violence. So there's a big comment here about injustice and the prejudice that the author has experienced as a black person and as a woman. But um, yeah, it was just such a roller coaster of a read. It felt quite visual. The writing is so good that I can actually still picture some scenes from it. And um, Octavia Butler, just in general, it really explores some unusual themes in her writing, such as empathy, love as political resistance, and adapting to change. So she was really ahead of her time, I think, and, and it's a really brilliant book. And I think it's currently the only one of her books in print in the UK at the moment, but I think Headliner reissuing two more in August. And those are called The Parable of the Sower and The Parable of the Talents. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to those ones. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, that sounds incredibly powerful and great to have a sort of a new name that I have never come across at all. No, me neither. But I tell you, Joe, you've sold that yeah, book to two, me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. It sounds amazing. Um, so, listen, you two could clearly talk about books all day, but I think we better stop so you can kind of get back to the day job. Um, those books aren't going to sell themselves. So, um <laughs> Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time on the Bookseller Podcast and um, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. So bye. Thanks. Bye. bye.